This is Turning Earth, uh, a three-part series discussing environmental issues in Ireland. This is the second of three episodes. During this episode, we'll be discussing gold mining, specifically looking at the recently issued licences. Well, they are issued about a year ago for uh, Inishon, the Inishon Peninsula in County Donegal. Now, we're focusing on these because this is what kind of led us to uh, to explore the issue. But um, having researched it now, we realise that there's actually extensive mining and extensive gold mining going on in Ireland uh, and Craig can tell us now uh, briefly what companies are involved there and where they are. Yeah, so from the research that we've done, we found four different companies that are primarily active in gold mining on both sides of the border in Ireland. On the other side of the border, up north, they would be Galantis and Dalradian. And then in the Republic, it's Conroy Gold. Conroy Gold are exploring in Monaghan at the moment. And then the final company is Connemara Mining, and it's Connemara who actually hold the licences up in Inishon. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about Monaghan and Tyrone later on, but for this episode we'll mostly be discussing Inishon. And so why are we looking at gold mining? Uh, well, particularly to gold mining, more so than other metals, the the ratio of, of waste rock to end product is quite extreme. Uh, the ratio is 1.9 million to 1. That means of all the ore that gets mined, less than 100,000 of a percent actually winds up as gold. What is this waste comprised of? To give you an idea that I'll describe the the process of extracting gold from the earth. Uh, the most commonly used method is open pit mining, which uh, you can see pictures of this online, like it, it leaves massive craters, holes that are visible from outer space in some cases. Once the ore is then extracted, I mean, there's a few different ways you can extract gold, but the vast majority of it is extracted using what's called heap leaching. And the way that works is the, the ore is crushed into a fine dust and is then sprayed with cyanide, which bonds with the gold and like, seeps down through it, leaving the ore behind and taking the gold out. And then more chemicals are used to separate the gold from the cyanide. So the waste that remains then is kind of a slurry-like material laden with heavy metals and cyanide, and they are usually stored in tailing dams or tailing ponds or in some parts of the world they're just pumped into into the ocean or into rivers. Now many states have banned that practice but even where pumping it into the river isn't allowed, like, like it wouldn't be in Ireland, we're still left with these dams or ponds containing the the waste and they're not totally foolproof either as we can see from the the Bayamare dam failure. Bayamare is a region in Romania where a, a tailing dam failed and the result of that was that uh, 80% of the aquatic life in that river was killed and drinking water for about two and a half million Hungarians and Romanians were contaminated. So considering all this, it's understandable why the prospect of an active gold mine would be a cause for concern. Uh, and to give, uh, to bring it back to Ireland now, to give a kind of a local perspective on this, uh, Craig recently interviewed Tony Devine, who's uh, from Inishon in Donegal, and uh, we'll go over to her now. Uh, my name is uh, Tony Devine. I'm retired and I live in a beautiful part of Inishon, uh near Kinnigo Bay. Uh, and uh, I've been interested in uh, issues like mining and other issues uh, which affect the environment and the community here. Great. And so, obviously, I'm calling you specifically to talk about uh, gold about mining. mining. Yeah, gold mining in the area because... Yes. The issue is national in that the, the process of applying for mi- mining... Uh, prospecting licenses and for mining that is more or less totally weighted towards those who are looking for the gold. So we need to make sure that local people, 
know that they only own the first six inches of soil on which they uh, grow their their crops or uh, put their house on. Uh, Those who buy the rights can do what they like with what they find and for the most part they can take it out of the country without paying any taxes or very little royalties on it. So that what we as uh, local people are left with is living with the consequences of the state's gamble. Tony, can I just ask you really quickly about, like, if a company is given uh, either a prospecting or an exploration license, yes. and they can move into an area to start doing either of those things, do okay. they have to do they have to pay any compensation or ask permission no. from the landowners at all? The first thing that a company does, uh, first of all, they scope the whole of any shown uh, so that they could see what the lie of the land was. Then the next thing is uh, mining companies. Uh, apply for the prospecting license at any one time in Ireland there are five to six hundred licenses selling the prospecting license to them is easy money yeah the last time we had uh, a gold rush because we have them every five years the last time we had a gold rush in that sense uh, very few people were aware that they were about because it's only their experts who come in and uh, bore holes and see what's happening and take that information back to the mining company. Uh, They then uh, go back, and in the meantime, the mining company has uh, uh, issued shares, and of course, the price of their shares will have gone up. Uh, So that's where we're at at the minute. We we know this process well. the environmental groups uh, put in uh, objections, of course, yeah. but we also know that it makes absolutely no difference to whether uh, a company gets a prospecting license or not. Can I ask? Can I ask you really quickly about local authority and like, do, do, would the local council have any authority over um, prospectors or mining groups coming in? Tell you the, the story with us five years ago. We had a public meeting the last time licenses were announced. And we had over 100 come to the meeting, which was an information evening about mining. And all our local councillors were invited and they came. They knew nothing about it. And that's the way it is. It has nothing to do with local councils. And do you know what would happen if a mine, like if they got to a point where a company decided that they were going to actually build yes. a mine or dig a mine? Do you know well, what kind of mine it would be? we have evidence from the Sperrin Mountains in County Tyrone. Uh, when we had our public meeting, they came and showed us uh, uh, what had happened to their communities and their environments. And it, you know, even the farmers and uh, the developers and different people who came and local community and residents, all their jaws dropped when they saw the amount and number of lorries that were filled with the uh, soil that was being dug up and rocks that were being dug up, just one lorry behind the other on small roads where the mine had been allocated. And uh, just the whole earth just gouged out. We know the consequences if they get a mining licence. Okay, yeah, so... That's it, really, that we have from Tony. Um, and we've got another couple of interviews to go through. But just to quickly say, following on from what she mentioned about mineral rights, we contacted the Department for Communications, Energy and National Natural Resources 
just asking about regulation. We didn't get a response, but so we looked up on our website, specifically under Exploration and Mining Divisions section. And so just here's a couple of quotes from the website in regards to mining itself. So to confirm what Tony said about mineral rights all being owned by the state, it says the exclusive right to work all minerals regardless of ownership, with a few minor exceptions, is vested in the minister. And then in regards to regulation on um, companies that are prospecting, exploring or extracting they say licensees should respect the wishes of the landowners regarding access and be environmentally responsible. Although exploration is exempted from controls under the Local Government Planning and Development Act from 1963 to 1993, licensees are provided by the Exploration and Mining Division with guidelines for good environmental practice. We're not sure if the guidelines are obligatory or if it's just suggestions, but the language is kind of maybe evasive in that like a lot of it says what mining companies should do in order to be environmentally or like responsible for the community as well so we just wanted to throw that in now following on from Tony's interview um, Tommy actually spoke to John Teeling John Teeling is the chairperson of Connemara Mining Connemara Mining are the company who have the licenses for exploration up in Inishown so yeah you can listen to that now just first of all could you could you maybe tell us briefly about the the recently completed phase of exploration. I know it says on your website that uh, more detailed investigations will, will follow, such as soil they're, sampling. They're ongoing as we speak. Okay. Uh, what we've done on the five blocks is narrowed it down to quite a small area, and which you do, and we have sent a team in there, and they're on the ground now, and they're working on a 20-metre by 20-metre grid. Okay, and just uh, it says a, a trenching programme and a drilling programme. Could you just maybe explain in a bit more detail what that would entail? Yes. I mean, the nature of, of, of gold in, in all of Ireland, really, is that it comes in veins, um, which is very high cost, but also can be high grade. And so what you want to do is you, if you find gold in the soil sample, say on a 20-meter grid, you will now run a trench across that and see if you will, A, pick up the, the veins, which would have come up to surface, hopefully, if there's not much of an overburden, uh, how many they are and what the grades are. So you, you will do a, a, a trenching to see... Um, what's available near the surface. So if, if, if mining is much easier to do close to surface, then it will be at depth. And then the, the drilling program will be to see if this goes through at, at depth. So what you're trying to do is find grade, uh, and that gives you revenue. And then you have to find out what the extraction costs are, which which gives you your operating costs. And the difference between the two is whether it's viable or not. It really is that simple. Okay, okay. And you used a word there, overburden. Could you just explain Overburden that is is the material, usually the clay. Clay. clay that's on top it's a good point I should have explained so that in many parts of, of Ireland and in other parts of the world you would find um, uh, from silt or soil or sand can be maybe up to a couple of hundred metres thick now it's, it's not in Ireland so you have to go through that before you get to any rock that would contain the minerals okay. you would want overburden is a cost it's expensive and so the less there is the better ok uh, Donegal will be quite well known as a having a quite a diverse ecosystem I know like, there's a lot of quite rare birds around there such as the the corncrake which is declining in numbers at the moment Donegal's a bit of a haven for it I'm just wondering like in the test phase would there be any uh, time given to observing the flora and fauna to maybe assess what kind of impact a, a, like a successful operation it's would have on it too early because the current work shouldn't impact at all on the flora and the fauna not at all now that said um, over time and over years and experience things can happen the next phase now which will be drilling 
uh, or trenching. Trenching, yes, you 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 trench across the ground, but again, that shouldn't impact on on things like the corncrake, who who wouldn't be nesting in the middle of a field anyway. I don't think. Um, and then these these trenches, which wouldn't be very deep, would be filled back in again, mm. and so there'd be minimal disruption. Um, yeah. But I'm, it, I suppose I'm thinking more of uh, if. If the, if the exploration is successful and it, it does become a mining project a few years down the line, um. oh, major impact on uh, the, the, you know you have to do uh, be, as you say it's, it's if at all possible uh, if the chances of, of of there being a gold mine in in Ireland um, are risky enough. The chances of there being a gold mine in Donegal from where we are now is very very unlikely. You um, you're looking at maybe. 50 or 100 to 1 against but um, assuming everything went well and, and that in 6 or 7 years time you're doing the feasibility study to see if you would build it, a major part of that would be environmental impact study Ok and just, just uh, what's been said in the press recently though in like a, an article I think it was in the Times uh, you seem quite positive about the, the possibility of finding gold oh, We'll find gold I'm 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 almost a hundred percent certain that there's, there's there's extensive gold in Ireland. Extensive gold doesn't make it commercial. Now, finding gold and building a commercial gold mine are very different things. Uh, really, very different. But do you do you think it's fair to say that um, that ex- exploration and exploitation are are separate? If what you're doing is trying to create the conditions for for eventual exploitation, I, 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 they, they, every stage is separate. At every phase, you can fail. At every single phase. It very rarely gets better. It usually gets worse. You're, to answer your question in the affirmative, are the two are exploitation and exploration connected? Yes, at every stage you'll say, if this works out well, is it going to be, could it be a mine? You'll always ask that question. Um, so uh, considering the, the financial risk involved in failed exploration and, and the, the huge environmental costs of exploitation, like, is... is, is looking for gold really worthwhile considering what it's used for and how much of that could be taken from recycled materials such as computers or phones? Well, increasingly it is. Increasingly, I don't know what percentage of primary uh, of, of gold demand has been serviced by secondary sources. It's probably 60% and, and that will grow, of course. Uh, um, will it grow to equal 100% of it? If it does, then then you won't explore for gold. That, that's what will happen. Um that's another major concern is that it seems to be the, the trend globally uh, when disposing of the waste uh, known as tailings is the, yes. uh, the kind of slurry material which is a mixture yes. of the rock and cyanide. It tends to just get stored in dams or in, yes. in, in tailing ponds. Is there? Yes, it does. What, in what way would you envision that being dealt with? Oh, I wouldn't at this stage because it's too far away. But in fact, it, 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 there have been very rapid developments in tailing ponds. Modern situations, is it's, it's, it's rubber lined um, and uh, it is very carefully monitored and what you have to do is put up a bond. You would have to reconstitute uh, and rehabilitate the area, and that's estimated cost A, B, and C, or whatever, and you must put in place a bond or a guarantee that that money will be available for rehabilitation, which is becoming more and more common, and uh, that's what you would expect in Ireland, certainly. Yeah. Now, uh, if, you, if, you, if there was a mining project in Donegal, you rest assured, you can rest assured that it will be very carefully scrutinised by government, um, and by the industry and by the local people, that whatever was done, there would be an adequate rehabilitation plan put in place before anything is built. But that would have to be funded by a, a bank bond or an insurance bond. And the way you fund that is you have a sinking fund. Over each year, you put X amount of money away towards the bond 
so that, that, that the money is there and the money gets spent on it. So, so the burden will be on the company in question? Oh, that has to be on the company, yeah. It ha- that, again, this is, uh, as I said, that the biggest single item we had in this feasibility study, which we, we only submitted the proposal this morning, was the bond. And it's hard to get a bond. It was for um, uh, $16 million in quite a small operation. And that's a big bond. Okay, so now, just, I'm getting conscious of time now. Just before we finish up, um, talking about rem- uh, so if we're, if we're at the stage, the uh, exploitation stage, um, talking about removing o- overburden that entails removing large areas of the topsoil, two thirds of all metals globally, and 97% in the US are mined using open pit mining, yeah. which uh, which you know leaves huge craters where once there was uh, grassland yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's, it's it seems difficult to balance the cost of that environmentally with the the benefits of it's highly unlikely gold. that there the will ever be an open gas mine around. Highly, highly, highly unlikely. Um, the correct mechanical and economic, uh, or the correct engineering way to mine Tara mines because it was close to surface was by open cast. Because an open pit now can go down to uh, 800 meters, would you believe? And um, but that's not going to happen in Ireland because Ireland is there are people close by all the time. So if, if it wasn't going to happen 40 years ago, it's certainly not going to happen now or in the future. So that's pretty much it from the interview with John Teeling. Um, following on from that interview, we did quite a bit of research that was inspired by things that we spoke about with Teeling. And through that research, we've come across different information that kind of contests a bit of the stuff that uh, Teeling says. And um, one thing that we both noticed was just how odd the frequent reassurances of there being little chance for mining in Ireland actually were for one thing like it seems odd that you would invest your time in such a risky venture if there's such a small chance of you actually getting any kind of reward for it now I mean part of that is to do with the fact that like exploration companies can put the information out there that they found viable gold deposits and it will put their share price up exactly like Tony Devine was saying earlier on and so they can make a profit from that but um, just in terms of like Teeling's actual assertion that there probably won't be any gold mines in the future in Ireland or in the near future anyway in regards to the other gold mining companies that are active right now on the island of Ireland we found conflicting information so like there's an Irish independent report from March of this year that talks about how Conroy Gold have actually stated that they're planning to begin a mine quite soon they've got what they call high grade gold deposits and it's quite viable and so they're actively looking for an international partner at the moment in order to begin mine construction and so that's that, in Monaghan isn't it? that's in Monaghan yeah exactly so that's on this side of the border and then on the north side in Tyrone Dalradian which is a Canadian company they are planning to put in a proposal for mine construction by early next year now in that area there's actually an active campaign against this right now the Friends of the Earth Northern Ireland website has a good bit of information about it but the people from the locality are focusing on it particularly because of the proximity of the potential mine to a protected salmon habitat as well as the kind of the seeming lack of adherence to proper planning applications that the company went through while they were petitioning for the development now that mine is potentially in a Curnault in Tyrone yeah, and and as well as that, again near near Oma, there has already been a, su- a successful gold mine, a successful open pit gold mine actually, which has already produced gold, and they've they're currently in the process of applying for planning permission to go deeper underground. Another thing that kind of stood out as we were looking into this, and this isn't something that's peculiar to John Teeling or to Connemara Mining as a company, but it's the the, the language that gets used by 
by the industry, I suppose, in in talking about the habit, the the areas in which they're going to be working. I suppose a good example of what I'm talking about is the word overburden, which to them is a is a cost that needs to be gotten past. But what they mean by overburden is is everything from the soil upwards, so everything that lives on the soil, every plant and every all of the countless things that are alive in the soil is overburdened, something to be discarded. And a good example of that is the corncrake, which we've recently found out does actually nest in the middle of fields. So it's it, it seems f- fair to say that a trenching program would impact quite severely on the habitat of a corncrake. So it's it all seems very very rushed and without due care being given. Well, it's kind of it's it's short term planning basically. It's for profit, and like yeah. that seems to be the nature of gold mining in general. Is that it's, it seriously typifies the typical mindset of capitalist endeavours which is exactly what I just said short term profit disregarding long term sustainability you know yeah. and it, it it's difficult to have confidence that that attitude will be sort of kept in check by regulation especially when it, if you look at the, the the department's own website so the exploration and mining division uh, they wear like, like a badge of honour that Ireland's ranked first out of 122 nations in uh, the Fraser Institute's survey of mining companies 2014 which on the department's website it says is like a report card to governments on the attractiveness of their mining policies but if you actually look at the Fraser Institute report what this means is or how they rank attractiveness is um, they're looking at things like public policy taxation and regulatory uncertainty so that's uncertainty concerning the administration of regulations environmental regulations and uncertainty concerning protected areas and disputed land claims so it's kind of being put forward by the department that it's a good thing that we're not too clear on our regulations so that companies will actually want to come here and do their thing it's all a bit up in the air and they seem to think that that's that's cool <laughs> but uh, so anyway following on from um, Tony Devine and John Thielen because obviously we've gotten like perspectives from both sides of the issue in a specific area we wanted to go to a third party basically to get like another perspective on it so we approached Antoshka which are according to their website they're the National Trust for Ireland but they're basically like an advocacy group who who also petition for like conservation and they're, they're involved in heritage and stuff as well but mostly petition for like environmental conservation throughout Ireland um, so we spoke or Tommy spoke to Ian Lumley who is an he's just a member of Antoshka or just a member of Antoshka but so yeah this is the interview with Ian Lumley now if you could just start by maybe telling us a little bit about yourself and what it is that Antoshka does my main work at the moment with Antarctica is advising on climate and environmental issues because our, our impact is affecting the global climate and our consumption is dependent on the import of goods from across the world. Yeah. Um, and just in, in relation to um, mineral expo- exploration and exploitation specifically, um, could you tell us what the... What, are, what government regulations are in place to cover that? Well, Ireland promotes both mineral exploration and oil and gas exploration to the Department of um, Energy, Communications and Natural Resources. The current minister is uh, Alex White. And the state is the owner of minerals. And all prospecting for minerals... Um, needs licensing from the state. When we were uh, researching for this episode, we read the the Fraser Institute survey of mining companies, and in it, Ireland is ranked 11th on the what they call the Investment Attractiveness Index, which is an index based on things like 
in, in their words, regulatory uncertainty and favourable taxation. And actually Ireland ranks number one in terms of uh, government policy uh, taxation and regulatory uncertainty. Uh, and in, is this reflected in the reality of the system in Ireland in terms of its trapping? Yes, it's reflected. Ireland has a very favourable regime for encouraging both oil and gas exploration and mineral uh, exploration because that's the only people that um, have the scale of operation to get involved in exploration and, and extraction are multinational companies. And um, that has been the case with the, um, with the major lead and zinc mines that mm. we've had in operation over a number of decades. Multinational investment in general, uh, Ireland would be seen to be a very attractive place. Yeah, the the companies we're seeing doing exploration with hydraulic fraction and also with mining tend to be uh, quite small companies. Um, yes, it's quite a difference um, between the um, exploratory process, um, but they, you'll find, would be um, funded through international investment funds. Yeah. Uh, it's quite a complex thing, often quite difficult to find out who is behind uh, an exploration project. Uh, you will find that these exploration companies will be carrying out the exploratory work in the hope of finding um, uh, an ore body or other um, a discovery that will be commercially viable and they could sell on that right or get in partnership with them with one of the big multinationals. Okay. That's the way the exploration business uh, generally works. And would there be a difference then in, uh, in terms of planning permission and regulation applied to exploration versus applied to exploitation? Yes, and there's a lot of concern about this has been highlighted by um, the fracking issue. Um, The problem that we've had up to now is that the the regulations and legal system on uh, exploration hasn't been properly reconciled with um, our general planning system and environmental impact um, assessment system. Uh, and that's something that has been highlighted with the fracking problem. Uh, but we would certainly argue that drilling and exploration needs to be subject to environmental impact uh, assessment as much as any other uh, development, because after all, it can be happening in very sensitive areas. We, ha- we have spoken to John Teeling of Connemara Mining, who has the licence for uh, Donegal, and he was uh, seemed quite confident that the exploration phase would have no impact and that there would be no need to... Uh, to interact much with the local community or to 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 look at it too, in too much detail because it was... Yes, most people, if they saw uh, drilling in progress, wouldn't... It, it's not any different to the sort of drilling rigs that you would see to uh, create a, a board rail for water, but mm. it does go to a greater depth and it may be happening also in sensitive areas ecologically, so that's a concern that needs to be addressed. Okay. He, he was also uh, pretty confident about... Um, the that w- if it got to the exploitation stage and the mine went ahead, became commercial, and then was closed down, that there would be no room for a company to just up and leave uh, without cleaning up after themselves. But we, we were again when researching for this, we looked into the Avoca mines that were abandoned in the early eighties and um, learned that the Avoca River is one of the most polluted rivers in Ireland because it's been severely affected by acid mine drainage. So could you possibly tell us more about mine cleanups and aftercare in Ireland? Like, is it, is it done properly? Well, and well this is a huge concern. I mean, this is not just an issue in Ireland, but um, internationally, mm. that mining of its nature is a short-term extractive uh, activity and that the life of a mine may be no more than a few decades 
or less even. Mm. And then what happens when the mining operation ceases and you'll have spoil heaps? What happens when those sites are left and how can they be remediated uh, and not left uh, abandoned? And how can ongoing pollution be avoided? Uh, you mentioned the case of Avoca, uh, where the contamination is really only now um, working its way out through mm. the spoil heaps there. And there's also been the much publicized case of the silver mines uh, in County Tipperary, uh, where there were major problems of uh, dust with high lead content uh, blowing across uh, uh, a wide area with the, with, the, with the drying out of the uh, settlement um, lagoons from that site and uh, can you could you comment just finally could you comment in any detail on any, on any of the current license areas for minerals I, I would just uh, um, it's such a complex um, one I would I, I, I would advise people interested in what's going on in their own areas simply to to seek that information from from the department because there are uh, licenses uh, granted for all sorts of mineral exploration over very wide areas of the country, including the, um, uh, including the northwest. All right, so that's it from Ian Lumley. Um, we're kind of coming to the end now, so we're just going to briefly talk about some other side effects of gold mining that we didn't get to cover earlier on. So one thing that we didn't mention earlier is a thing called acid mine drainage, and basically what that is is when certain minerals and metals in rock and in ore are exposed to air and water, they produce acid. That acid will then leach through the rock and potentially leach into like the water table below. And so this is like a serious long-term damaging side effect of um, mining itself. Yeah, and that that's what's happened in the uh, Voca River in Wicklow because of the copper mines there, which cl- were closed in the 80s. And uh, they're still like very, it's one of the most polluted rivers in the state. Yeah, yeah. Still. And so another thing that happens as well, and this is internationally rather than in Ireland, obviously, but like there's a lot of examples of severe displacement of local and indigenous populations. A really terrible example of that is the Lahir gold mine, which is in Papua New Guinea, which is actually the biggest gold mine in the world. But there's been massive displacement and like land grabbing over the very long history of that mine itself. And then another thing is actually further on in the process from gold, because once you get the gold out of the ground, it has to be processed again to make viable, and you do that through smelting. And smelting itself is like a seriously environmentally destructive process. It produces heavy sulfur dioxide emissions and lead emissions as well, and there's a long list of shocking examples of smelting pollution. Uh, one country that seems to have been particularly negatively affected by it is Peru. There's lots of examples of poorer indigenous populations that have been like heavily affected by it with an example of one village in Peru where 99% of the children in the village reported having severe lead poisoning and just also in Peru uh, the the uh, huge gold and copper mine the Minas Conga mine is being opened or has been opened and it's projected water use is 250,000 litres per hour and that's in an area where families use about 30 litres of water per day yeah, okay, so there you go, yeah, there's another inconceivable example of the effect of it. One thing that we wanted to point out just before we go is that we noticed similarities in the attitude towards raw metals, high-grade raw metals extraction and fossil fuel extraction in that the actual amount of it available is decreasing and decreasing because of extraction itself. And so because of the extraction, or because of the fact that it's decreasing, 
the extraction process is becoming increasingly wasteful, producing like a much broader ratio of waste to viable product at the end of it. It's exactly the same as what's going on with fossil fuels and kind of uncon- unconventional extraction processes, such as for like like hydraulic fracturing. That's all we're going to talk about this time. But just to uh, to finish up, um, leave you with, with some websites where we got some. I mean, we got our information from all sorts of sources, but. Um, uh, a good website is to look at look at is the, the department's own website, so dcenr.gov.ie. Uh, go to the natural resources section and you can find some information there. There's also the No Dirty Gold website. If you just put that into a search engine, you'll find it. There's, they have a few good reports on mining throughout the world. And there's also the Young Friends of the Earth website, so foe.co.uk, and click on Northern Ireland because they have a, an active campaign about mining up there. Yeah. And also, if you have any questions or corrections or if you want there's things you'd like to like to talk about you can email us at turningearth at near.ie yeah okay and so the next one is going to be about hydraulic fracturing or fracking uh, thanks very much